Hi, this is Dr. Ron Stotz, uh, author of Overscheduled by Success, a guide for transformational leaders too busy to create their next dream. And you're listening to My Quest for the Best. Everyone who's chosen to launch a business, product, or brand has taken on enormous responsibility for the successful outcomes that your staff, customers, and other stakeholders are expecting. You're good at problem solving and overcoming obstacles. In this episode of My Quest for the Best, Ron Stotz talks about the inner journey, sometimes called the hero's journey, and provides some great examples about the changes that it can make when you fully embrace this journey. There are a lot of great tips and insights that come out of this interview. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, this is Bill Ringel, host of My Quest for the Best, where ambitious small business leaders discover strategies and tactics to unlock their growth potential. Joining me today is Ron Stotz. Ron is a therapist whose mission is to help influential leaders maximize their impact in the world. He's worked with Joseph Campbell, Buckminster Fuller, and studied with other leaders in the spiritual and personal growth fields. He's written Overscheduled by Success, a guide for transformational leaders too busy to create their next dream. Ron lives in Santa Barbara, California with his wife, Carol. Welcome, Ron. Hi. Well, thank you for having me on the show there, Bill. Ron, share something that's not in your bio to help us get to know you a little bit better, and maybe a point or two about your personal life as well. All right. Well, we'll dip into some strange place within there. Um, you know, the truth is my journey started when I, you know, I got out of the Marine Corps and just thought I had been part of a leave it to beaver life until after that point when I realized that I really had some deeper issues. And so I'm, that's what really started my inner journey. And that inner journey took me into recognizing more, you know, how our mind affects us and how our body is at the effect of our mind, how important breathing is, how important quieting the mind can be. And so that journey is just one that uh, I've been step by step taking, breath by breath taking throughout my life. And uh, so that's probably... Hold on a second, Ron. I'm just going to jump in because it doesn't seem like it would have been an easy transition to go from the Marines into this inward journey. How does that occur? (laughs) How does that occur? Uh, That occurs by being in a pretty difficult place with having lost 62 of the guys that I went through basic training with. I found myself on an island. Uh, we, we had an old cabin up there, literally a wood stove and a pump and an outhouse and that. I mean, we're talking basic here. So I went up there and spent the winter and just uh, had my feet in the wood stove just to keep them warm and uh, read every book I could find from the Bible to psychology to philosophy and to try and figure out a direction for my life because I found that I really had to let go of where all my training of being an all-American boy was taking me. You know, I realized that killing people wasn't something of interest to me or being killed by people who (laughs) I didn't know was of interest to me. So the whole Vietnam thing and all the stories I was hearing uh, really um, rocked my world, and it also was the best gift that I ever got because it allowed me to really reevaluate what was important to me. You know, what were my values? Who do I want to be? What do I have to become to to create the world that I want and life that I want to be living? So that was the transition. There was yeah. a painful experience of losing 62 buddies in the Marine Corps. 
you went, uh-huh. you were discharged, and then took time out and said, there have to be answers out there, and that's what began your journey. Is that right? Exactly. That's exactly right. You know, you know, I looked outwardly, as everybody does in the beginning, and really didn't see any answers, so I knew the only other place to start looking was inside, and uh, turns out, of course, that's where all the answers are, and the deeper you look, the better the answers become, and so that becomes a lifelong journey for those who take that that hero's journey as it's called so talk more about your understanding of the hero's journey you've actually mm-hmm. studied with joseph campbell who originated this whole discipline what do you make of the hero's journey and what's its significance in modern day life well as you probably know the hero's journey in joseph's studies were was something that he discovered. It was a story that had been in all cultures throughout all time. And it was really a story about somebody having to, in a modern terminology, to leave their comfort zone. So in other words, sometimes they chose to step out of their comfort zone. Sometimes they got kicked out of it or events, um, you know, just created them having to leave their comfort zone. You know, you look at uh, the Star Wars movies and, you know, the I'm trying to, Luke comes back to his uncle and aunt's ranch and finds everybody dead, and so he has to go find Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, I mean, that would be somebody who's been kicked out of their comfort zone, but some people are more proactive, like myself, I just realized that that comfort zone wasn't really comfortable for me any longer, and I needed to step out of that. And, you know, that's an adventure. I mean, it really is. Not necessarily one that everybody wants to embrace, but it's one everybody needs to take. Let's jump in for a second. There are people listening to this who are saying, well, I've not had any terrible incidents happen to me, and I've been Mm -hmm. working at being a business owner for 15 years or so, and things are moving along. Help them connect with the the relevance of a hero's journey. The hero's journey is, you know, it's about taking your life up to the next level. You know, a lot of people come to me, and uh, part of especially business people, Part of what they're looking for is how can I be more successful? Why am I not being more successful? Why am I having difficulties with employees? Why am I having challenges in my personal relationship and and not making the money that I'd like to make? And, yeah, I can fairly safely say every time as we look deeper within, we realize that there's really limitations that really come from their childhood. I had great parents. I had a wonderful childhood. And yet there's just things that lingered there that I was at the effect of. You're saying that there are invisible forces that may be limiting our enjoyment of life, our ability to go out and make things happen in the the way that we envision them to, our relationships that may not be going as smoothly as they like, are all symptoms of not embracing the hero's journey or succeeding in the challenges that are required in order to overcome some of that old programming. Is that accurate? I would say that was very well said, yeah. yeah. And they are, they are symptoms, and of course we live in a world where chasing symptoms is a billion-dollar industry, and the reason it's so successful is because it doesn't work. But we continue to be attached to it and because we don't really want to or understand how to go within and find out the true source of the problem so we can actually heal and resolve it. Probably my most motivating aspect of what I do is to get people to start 
to look within and quit chasing the symptoms so they can actually heal their lives and, and become who they are meant to be. In the book, Overscheduled by Success, you talk mm-hmm. about how the symptoms can actually distract people from getting in touch with the source of the problem. Can you say a little bit about that or give an example of someone who you worked with who was constantly distracted and, and detoured from actually confronting the issues that were central to taking the next step and going to the next level? Let's take something simple like somebody overweight. You know, you, you certainly have seen people who are overweight that lose lose that 20 pounds or that 100 pounds uh, again and again and again, but they keep gaining it back, and they're just you know it's not like the diets didn't work; they did work, but only temporarily. And the weight gain really isn't the problem of their eating; it's the problem of something deeper going on inside of them. That you know they're eating for comfort, they're eating for security, they're eating because they're nervous, whatever that might be. And that's a pretty easy target. That's one way to see it: is that there are all those symptoms are indicators, and they're really valuable indicators. And people would start paying more attention to those indicators, then they would recognize, oh, I have an opportunity to grow because that's really what they are. They're that that greater part of us saying, hey, you've been saying you want to do more with your life. Here's the indicator you need so that you can you can focus on this and rather than just look at the symptom, go within and find out what the source of that is. And that's really what the book helps them to understand so that they can go on that journey or if they need help, then they can find help for that journey. So you've worked with people, people who we may not have heard of, people who we may have heard of. Think of one of the clients you've worked with and without naming them, give us an insider's view of what it means to make some of these these inner shifts that make the outer shifts possible so that it becomes a sustainable success rather than the roller coaster, like you mentioned, of diet and weight gain, diet and weight gain. Mm-hmm. So I had a fellow probably about six months ago, CEO of a, a middle, mid-sized corporation, really came to me, not even sure why he was coming to me. I could tell he there was part of him that didn't even want to be there, but we had a conversation, and the conversation really got into he was having challenges with his employees. The money wasn't, you know, he had been making more money and was noticed that uh, overall he was making less over the last couple of years. Noticed as his relationship with his wife was, you know, not going anywhere nearly as well as it used to, and so we started exploring. And what I found was as he got in, you know, we went deeper within and started asking questions and finding out what was really going on and what the source of that was. We found that he really had some issues around communication and some more specific ones around communicating anger. Now, this guy was a very powerful player. He was very impressive. And I have to say, sometimes when these guys come in, it's a little intimidating. But uh, it's just a matter of really walking that path with them and finding out what you know what's holding them back. Where did they get snagged in their life? And then just cleaning that up. As we got that, that emotional backlog cleaned up, all of a sudden he could start to breathe more fully, and he felt... Clearer, he, you know, he made a comment that, geez, you know, I'm feeling smarter than I've ever felt, and and what that is is, you're one, you're breathing, one, you're not being distracted by the past and the future, and you're just using your brain more fully, and you're more present, and so all of a sudden, of course, then he as he got cleared up, 
in that childhood issue of not expressing anger that he had around his dad uh, got healed, and so he could begin to have clear discussions about, about what he was feeling. And all of a sudden, his wife, you know, was thrilled to find out that you know, he wanted to talk to her about things that they had otherwise always had trouble talking about. He realized that he, you know, in his work, he just he would hold on to things and be angry at people and of course they would feel that and they'd feel uncomfortable and feel judged and then they wouldn't really accomplish things and you know because they were doing them from a place of worrying about not doing it good enough which is a great place to you know guarantee that you're not gonna, that you're going to fail from and so all of a sudden he realized that really all of his challenges in life were you know, in current life were the result of this old emotional pattern which kept him from really optimizing who he was, who he is. And so with that cleared up, it's kind of think in terms of a you've got a great car but you've got one flat tire. That's the equivalent of this guy. You know, he's everything's running great but he's got this flopping tire that keeps him from really functioning as fully as he can. So within a year he's got his team all everybody's happy, everybody's working together, his relationship with his wife is greatly enhanced. They're feeling, you know, like kids again, out having fun, doing lots of things. But, uh, you know, the main reason he came to me was really why wasn't he financially where he should be, and uh, that got turned around. You know, I look for when somebody comes to me and they're making, say, a million dollars, how do we get that up to $10 million so that they can really see the dramatic shift in their ability to create? Because once they do start accessing their imagination, they see ways to create both money and lifestyles that are greatly, you know, way beyond what they had ever done before. I think everyone listening can relate to settling for mm -hmm. conditions, mm -hmm. for the right. state of relationships, for issues that aren't resolved, but they tolerate it. And right. the, the notion of a, a flat tire driving around on, somebody just says, well, that's how it is. That's how it's always been after they do it for a long enough period of time. And it takes a different conversation with a different kind of person who's trained to deal with this to help guide them to make those repairs, <laughs> both the external repair we're talking about in the metaphor or the internal repairs of pumping up their own under-pressured tires, or maybe relieving some of the, the overpressure that's inside already. Right. Tell me, Ron, in your work, have you noticed that people, it takes them a year and then all of a sudden things change? Or can things happen and make shifts and changes even sooner than that? I would say it happens, it begins to happen almost immediately. I was working with a high-powered attorney recently, and, you know, we were probably only a few, you know, four or five sessions in. Yeah, she just was blown away by how, how greatly influenced the work had changed her life. I mean, she... You know, people were making comments about how much more open she was. Her yoga instructors talking about, you know, I guess she'd been taking yoga for years, and all of a sudden she's breathing and moving, and you know, her physical body is, you know, working at a much greater performance level than it ever had before. You know, her boyfriend was just <laughs> like, "Who is this?" You know, because it really, you know, it was like uh, the, the gal he loved all of a sudden, you know, was more open. Her heart more open, or 
you know, ability to communicate more fully there. So, yeah, I, I see it almost immediately. And the truth is, not only do I see it immediately, I see it lasting for the rest of their life. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just a treat. I, it's not uncommon for me to get emails or some kind of communication decades later, 10, 20, 30 years later from people who are still so excited about what they learned and the transformation they went through with our work and just how they use the breathing with, in raising their children or how they <laughs> recognize, uh, you know, the potential that they've reached has influenced greatly who they've become and how they function in the world and how they influence others and so yeah it's really that's i have to say that's uh, that's a real great part of the work i bet it also frustrates you when you hear people talking about how it's not for them in order to make these kinds of changes or you have to be pretty bad off to take a journey like this and that they could just kind of you know, things will improve if they just put more effort or will or determination into solving their problem. If you could take a step back and just speak yeah. to them now, what would be one or two things you would offer to help them see a different perspective that might be more helpful to them? I think knowing that in we, we are nothing but energy. That's, this is physics, not metaphysics. We are nothing but energy, and that energy is either expanding or contracting. You know, we are just, you know, when you look at us, when, you know, I study quantum physics quite a bit, and it's just the reality of who and what we are is energy and that energy, if we really understand that it's either expanding or contracting, you realize that you can't just stay fixed in one place. And that staying fixed in one place is, you know, I, I live on the coast, so I'll give you an analogy. You know, a lobster, is, you know, crawling around, having a great time, all of a sudden starts to feel uncomfortable and realizes that they've reached a place, I don't know whether they do this consciously, but they find they have to go onto a rock and shed their shell. And, of course, that's a very vulnerable thing for them because that shell is what protects them and gives them a sense of control. But it's, if they don't take that time out, if they don't shed those old limitations, that old limiting shell, those old beliefs, then they're going to die. And that death, of course, for us might not look like physical death, although it often does when you understand uh, the top eight causes of death are really lifestyle choices. But that lobster has to periodically stop, shed its shell, and grow a new one. And in that, it allows itself to continue to grow and expand throughout its life. And I've seen lobsters that weigh, you know, <laughs> they're two foot long. And so, you know, you know that that growth has come from a lot of letting go, from a lot of having to trust, from a lot of surrendering. And, you know, if you don't do that, then you're going to play small. You're going to, you know, always be wondering what it is that's holding you back when the, the truth is you know that answer, but you have to be willing to go within to find it. When I commute on the school kilt expressway, I think I see a lot of lobsters behind the wheel. <laughs> Straining to stay in their shell or to get out. <laughs> uh, Explain for me and, and all the listeners, if you would, what you mean by the big mind. That came to me uh, kind of naturally. I Back in the early days after the Marine Corps, you know, on an island, I really found myself wanting to quiet my mind because it was just, it was just noisy, monkey mind as it's called. So 
I found that the quieter I my, my mind got, the more depth that I had in my life, the more understanding and wisdom that I could take in and understand and, and gain. And so that became something of value to me. And so I started studying meditation, and which was a very foreign concept to me at that time. Um, you know, I remember when the first time I meditated, I thought, well, geez, this makes my mind noisier rather than quieter. And, of course, what was really going on was I just was quieting down enough to realize how noisy my mind was. <laughs> so, but through the journey, as you, and that's really what the book is about, as you heal the past, as you learn to breathe, as you integrate your whole brain so that you can become present and really mindfully aware of what's going on in your life, your brain becomes quieter and quieter and quieter and yet more efficient and more effective. And you're not just running around hoping for, you know, or trying to find things. You're really breathing and watching those things come forward to you. It's like going into a giant library and trying to find a particular book as opposed to, you know, if you've done the work, you go into the library, you enter what you want, and it comes to you. And Big Mind is really the height of that, where in counseling, you know, in the beginning I really found myself attached to wanting to fix people. You know, this is like the first year, and so I would try and figure out what to say or what to do or who to be, and and it just created resistance. And so I started going, well, let's just sit back and do what I do best, which is quiet my mind and see what comes through. And, of course, what would come through is exactly what they needed to hear, exactly what they needed to do. And really, you know, with 20, 30 years of practicing day in and day out of just sitting there, you know, it sounds a little silly because I was getting paid for doing nothing, but the truth is just sitting in that silence allowed me to really access that place that I'm calling Big Mind. You know, I remember I, I have a hobby sometimes with creating Japanese gardens, and, I, and somebody offered me opportunity to create this million-dollar Japanese garden. And it was a little intimidating. That was way out of the scale that I'd normally done. And, uh, you know, I went up on this bench up on the hill and looked out over into the trees and just sat there, quieted my mind, and visualized the space that I was going to be creating that in and the people that I was going to create it for, the intention that they had for the space in terms of their own life, what they were hoping for. And I just sat there and held that space and watched Big Mind create the most gorgeous Japanese garden that I could ever imagine. And, of course, then, you know, three months later, never having to put it on paper because it was always in my mind, uh, I created that garden. And, you know, with all the beauty, all the water movement, all the... You know, the tea house overlooking the large pond into the bamboo forest and the stream, you know, a hundred foot stream coming down the hill and all of that with the, the smells and the movement and the grace that, uh, that one would feel when they were walking through that garden. And big mind gives you that. You know, when I'm in a business meeting, I'll, just slip into big mind because, uh, you know, I, uh, you kind of have to be humble enough to go into what Zen calls I don't know mind. And in that quiet place of I don't know and from a place of curiosity, you can just be present and let that, let those images, those ideas, those creations come to you. Brag here a little bit. I, as we go into this new direction, I, 
was reading the paper Sunday morning and uh, saw an idea and let Big Mind go with it. And um, let's just say it, it'll be the most profitable idea I've ever had. And that took about an hour and a half, most of it in the hot tub. <laughs> so, you know, most people think in terms of working harder. I think in terms of really accessing different parts of who we are that are much more capable of creating fantastic lives than we are, you know, from that small self. It okay. sounds like I'd love to live in that Japanese garden that you created. Um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> and I think what you're saying is that we can create that inward tranquility and beauty and sense of power and peace inside our own minds so that we spend time living from there and expressing who we are rather than trying to fill our lives from the outside with material acquisitions, food, drink, and stimulation in order to distract us from the big mind that's calling us. Yeah, I would say that's good. I, what I want to make sure people understand is is that big mind, if, if you understand the the analogy that they use in I think it's in Buddhism primarily, where every everything is the ocean. The ocean is the consciousness. And then every once in a while a wave rises up, and that's us experiencing our life on the ocean. Well, most people get all excited because they feel like they're separate from something. And, uh, you know, they're going to, that wave stops at some point, and they think that's all there is. In other words, they forget that they're that ocean. And, you know, so they struggle and worry about the past and worry about the future and don't enjoy being a wave in the present. And the, the challenge with that is, is they don't realize that, that, that universal library, that big mind is, they're connected to that. They are part of that ocean. They're going to, you know, literally the wave rises not separately from the ocean, but within the ocean. And so if we, reconnect ourselves to really who we are, to all of what we are, then we can have anything we want. I mean, if if you want lots of money, that's great. That just gives you choices, and that's a good thing. Uh, but, I mean, you know, I have ideas that I, you know, when I'm working with clients, and they can go from $10 million a year, which they think is a lot of money, and make $100 million a year, you know. But I do have to qualify that. I, I I work with billionaires and not infrequently, and money is not the answer. <laughs> I know you know that personally. But, uh, you know, when you've got $16 billion and you're still dealing with issues and money is one of your biggest issues, you know that that's really not the issue. <laughs> so another idea in the book that I liked was you say, if you're tired of sabotaging your life, then mutiny your old limitations. Can you expand on that, please? Well, you talked earlier. Is it challenging me for to watch people, for me to watch people sabotage their lives? And there was a time when it probably was. But the truth is, I have enough compassion and appreciation and trust that everybody's on their journey and doing the best they can. But it is quite easy in any conversation to watch somebody and how they sabotage their life and even what the source of that sabotage is and for me to even see what they would need to do to 
to release that sabotage. You know, um, you know I, was, I was raised in the Northwest. I'll give you an analogy. In the Northwest, at least when I was a kid, they'd do the logging and they'd bring the logs and big, they'd just put them into the rivers and they'd be floating down the river. But every once in a while, they would get jammed. But there was this guy, his job was to walk out on all these logs, you know, aimed in every different direction, and find what they would, you know, this key log that they could pull out and the whole jam would release. And that that's really the case for all of us. You know, if we're struggling in our life in any way, if we're playing small in any way, if we're feeling like we're bumping up against something in any way, First of all, I want everybody to realize that that's really great because that means you're growing and changing and change is where transformation comes from. So those aren't bad things. These aren't things that you should be ashamed of. You should be excited about that. And then realize that, oh, okay, so everything's moving down the river. Everything's great. We got ran into a little snag here. Let's go out and find out where that log is. We pull that log and everything then moves along. And, and that log is, is really the cost of that log in terms of our personal power, in terms of our energy is so high that when we pull that, it's almost like we've taken our foot off the brake and, you know, increased the accelerator. And, and it just moves us forward in our lives to such a degree that, uh, you know, every, anybody who does that realizes immediately how worthwhile it is and then they then they want to they can't wait for the next hero's journey you know <laughs> so yeah that's fun what the other aspect that you're speaking about that i think a lot of people will pick up on is that often you don't have to change the vehicle you just have to learn to operate it better you have to take your foot off the gas not replace the engine as many people may be imagining well, I think the imagining is what makes them afraid to do anything. <laughs> you know, I don't know whether carburetors are still used in cars because I'm not a mechanic any longer, but I remember back when I was 16, 17, I had my first car and, and I couldn't get the car, couldn't get it to work. And my neighbor kid came over and he was like, you know, that was his thing. So he just adjusted this little screw on the carburetor and all of a sudden it all worked great. And that's not uncommon for this, you know, for the situation to be within people's lives. Is it isn't something big, terrible, nasty, unknown. It's really something very simple. That's, you know, it's like that fellow that uh, CEO was telling you about with the anger. He didn't have a big anger thing at all. It was just that he had been so trained to not look at that, to not acknowledge, and to, to deal with that, that he was completely at the effect of it. You know, it's really. And it wasn't a big traumatic experience when he acknowledged and expressed that. It was just a simple little, you know, hour of going into it, and that was it. You know, <laughs> I mean, we did a lot of other work around it, but that—that uh, that was the real work that we're you know, leading up to that. And it was okay. Now, who do I want to be once I've let go of that uh, log, if you will? A lot of the work that you do requires you to be in a place of mindfulness and centeredness in order to hear people's chaos that they may bring to you. What's mm -hmm. your morning routine in order to get yourself in a, a solid place in order to have a clear mind and be able to tap into your big mind when working with your clients? 
<laughs> All right, you got me there. So, um, well, I wake up usually around 6, 6.30 and still quiet outside. I live in a lovely home in a lovely neighborhood by the ocean, so it's pretty sweet. And uh, I read at least 10 pages, you know, I, and it's usually I would call uh, some some piece of wisdom. It could be on neurology. It could be on Zen Buddhism. It could be on uh, physics. It could be something that's going to really um, focus my brain and help me develop my abilities and offer something to my life that I can then offer to others. Um, and I find myself in a very quiet, focused place during that process. And then I get up. I meditate. I have a meditation room that's just absolutely cool. <laughs> and, uh, I go into there and I go through my teak carved doors from Bali into my meditation room and uh, meditate for an hour. Meditation is really about observation, so I use the breath to take myself into a quiet place and then just keep you know, breathing in a present, mindful way so that if something's there that I need to clean up comes up, then I can observe it and go to the source of it and really um, take care of that and then move back into the quiet and see what else comes up. So after about an hour, everything's usually clear and quiet, and then I get cleaned up and begin my day. Ron, what's the book that you're reading now? Um, I'm reading, uh, it's a collection of sutras, which are talks by Buddha. You know, there's one on the transformation of healing, which is really about the four establishments of mindfulness. I just finished that section of the book. The previous section of the book is about breathing, the awareness of breathing. Uh, the next one, I believe, is about the heart sutra. So, yeah. This casual reading. <laughs> this is by Thich Nhat Hanh, is the uh, author of these. The, you know, it's, he's taking the Buddhist texts and translating them and explaining them in ways that I feel are really great. And Ron, where can we find out more about you and your work? I would say the easiest way is just go to my website at ronstotts.com. Somebody wants to contact me at my email, ron at ronstotts.com. Stotts is S-T-O-T-T-S. And they can, of course, go to Amazon and uh, look up my, either my name or Overscheduled by Success and get the book. Ron, thank you so much for joining me on my quest for the best. All right. Well, thank you very much, Bill. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Hi, this is Bill. Before you go, I just want to ask you a quick favor. If you've enjoyed this interview on My Quest for the Best, I'd love it if you'd go to iTunes, look up My Quest for the Best, and subscribe. I want to make sure you don't miss the very next episode we have coming up. We've got a lineup of terrific guests, and I know that if you enjoyed this one, you'll like what you find coming up soon. Also, feel free to give it a comment, a like, because we work hard to put these interviews together, and I'd appreciate making sure that we're reaching you and serving you in the, the best way possible. I look forward to reading your comments and catch you on the next interview. Thanks so much.